Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? I want to share a few thoughts that will lead us into a special time of remembering what Jesus did. I hope to bring a fresh perspective and understanding to a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. Are you ready? Amen. Let me ask the rest of you. Are you ready? Verse 23, for I received, this is Paul the Apostle, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now there are some, uh, there are many, many Old Testament scriptures. We, we believe in 66 books of the Bible. Uh, what we call the New Testament or the Old Testament in the New Testament, uh, the Old Covenant in the New Covenant. Every, for us to learn in every passage of Scripture. And this morning, before we partake of communion, I want to tie together some Old Testament and New Testament Scriptures as we uh, seek greater understanding into the Word of God and into what we believe and what we do this morning. I want to share something with you uh, that I had never experienced before in my trip to Israel. This past um, October, my wife and I and another couple went to Israel, and it was my sixth time. It was my wife's third time. And in my previous five times, I never, ever experienced what I experienced in Israel. Now, when I told some friends, uh, actually uh, friends of ours who have a tour company that has taken uh, hundreds of trips to Israel, uh, the dates that we were going, they said, uh, I don't know if you want to go during that time. And I said, why? Because it is the time in Israel that is Yom Kippur and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, so because I had been five times before, I said, well, it's not a big deal. Uh, we're going to go. We're going to be there for over two weeks, so we'll get through it. But what I didn't realize that in Israel on Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is what uh, is the Hebrew for the Day of Atonement. We're going to look at some scriptures that tell us about that in the book of Leviticus and the Feast of Tabernacles, which is another feast that is from uh, the Old Testament scriptures. But what I didn't realize, shuts down. Now, when I mean everything, I mean everything. From sunset on, on the day before to sunset on the day after, from evening to the next evening, everything was shut down. Now, I thought, when they told me, you know, it's going to be shut down, I thought, there's got to be a restaurant open. There's got to be a McDonald's, there's got to be a Starbucks, there's got to be something open some way, somewhere. And what I didn't realize was not only was everything closed, they didn't even drive cars. 
I could not believe it. We actually went before, before the, the, the day of uh, uh, atonement began, Yom Kippur began, and we went to a hotel and we said, oh great, now we can go eat in the restaurant, the hotel. And then we found out that they, they, they said, you can't even eat here because you need to get off the road. There are no cars that are on the road in Israel during Yom Kippur. So there goes our thoughts of having a nice meal. Good thing we brought snacks, so we went back and we had a power bar. <laughs> but what was so fascinating, what was such a, an, an incredible experience was that everything was closed down, no cars were on the road. We went up on the, on the top of the roof of one of the buildings and uh, had a beautiful panoramic view of the Sea of Galilee and the, the main street. And when I tell you there wasn't a car on the road, maybe every two or three hours, and we saw some flashing lights, and I think there were the police that were not arresting them, but then telling them, you need to get home. Now, that was so, so incredible to be there in Israel during the most significant holidays, or really, holy day, holy day of the year. Yom Kippur, if you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Leviticus. I know some of you enjoy doing your devotions in the book of Leviticus and reading about all the sacrifices, but again, I want to try to just... Um, tie in a few thoughts and share something hopefully to be a blessing to you. Turn to the person next to you say, Pastor wants to be a blessing to you. Now, the, uh, Yom Kippur means the Day of Atonement. Now, this was the most significant holiday, the most significant day in the Hebrew calendar, in God's plan in the Old Covenant, because it was the time when the high priest of God would go into the holiest place in the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, and he would go in one time a year, and he would go in to offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people to cover their sins for the whole year. Yom Kippur is a national day, was a national day and still is a day of repentance for the people of God. Now again, when you, when you think in the Old Testament, understand God gave his scriptures, amen? God gave this word. And what we as New Testament believers, as believers in Jesus Christ, all of those Old Testament prophecies pointed to the cross. They pointed to Jesus and today they are fulfilled in Christ. We do not uh, um, celebrate the same way that they did in the Old Testament, but I want you to understand something. There are some lessons, there are some principles, there are some truths that we need to learn and apply them to our life today. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 26. And the Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of the seventh month, this is uh, Leviticus 23, verse 26, now 7. Uh, tenth day of the seventh month shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. You shall do no work on the same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted... Uh, of the soul of soul that same day he shall be cut off from his people 
And any person who does work on that day shall be destroyed among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening. From even, evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. Now, for us as believers, according to the word of God, again, these scriptures are, are significant because, again, they point to the ministry and the work of Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament, we, we learn that these are types and shadows, again, that are fulfilled in Jesus. That we no longer have to have a high priest, uh, a human being, a, a, a certain type of minister that goes into a, a, a tabernacle or a holy place and offers blood anymore because the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus Christ once and for all offered himself without spot to God as our sacrifice our, for our day of atonement so that you and I are in perfect relationship with God because of what Jesus did. Can you say amen? You see, for the high priest to go into the holy place, again, once a year he did it with a sacrifice, and for him to go in, there was a veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. The most holy place was the place where God's presence would dwell, where God, again, in the Old Testament economy, would manifest his glory. Now, that, there, that veil was there, and then later when the temple was built, there was another veil, another uh, high and expansive curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. But do you know that when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that that veil was rent. That veil was split. It wasn't split from the bottom up because that would have signified man could have done it. But it was split from the top to the bottom, signifying that now for you and I, we have the privilege, the awesome privilege to go into the very presence of God ourselves without a bull or a goat or the blood thereof, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Now I'm going somewhere with this. So Yom Kippur, as I said, was a special time and we were there during this time, and we had to uh, suffer uh, and, and have our own kind of fast for 24 hours. All restaurants, all entertainment, no cars on the road. Okay, so we get through that, and then uh, five days later, the Feast of Tabernacle begins. And now that means there's more holy days, and that means that there's more days when things are not open. Now I want to talk to you a minute. Again, I'm going some where with this, please stay engaged, stay focused, because it's significant. Now, if you look and you turn to, um, in the same chapter, Leviticus, uh, verse 33, it says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel, saying the 15th day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation, and you shall do no customary work. And that means no restaurants are open. For seven days, you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles, again, this is Old Testament. We don't live according to the literal um, um, interpretation of that for us to apply to our life today. But the seven um, the seven days, the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkoth, 
uh, in the Hebrew means temporary dwelling. Now, what the Feast of Tabernacles was for the people of God, now these are for the, 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 the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as, as they came into the promised land. Uh, how many of you know before they came into the promised land, they went through a wilderness for 40 years? How many of you know God had a plan to bring them in to the promised land, but they went through a wilderness and they had a very harsh environment and a very difficult passage through the wilderness. And so God wanted them to remember for the Feast of Tabernacles, this was to build a tabernacle. After they came into the land, they were, although they lived in big houses, expansive houses, although they were blessed, now they were to establish for seven days a booth or a tabernacle or a little hut that they would live in. I want, you, I want to show you something. If you could put up some of those pictures that I, I took from Israel. What was amazing, when we were in Israel, they had, they built and constructed these booths for the Feast of Tabernacle. That's a picture from my uh, hotel window. That's a close-up of it. And if you can just show us another one, this is on a hotel across the street. If you can see, um, again, this is the close-up of it. They literally built these booths in um, obedience to what the scriptures say. In the restaurants, when we were able to eat, when they weren't closed, uh, for dining area, they would literally, for their patios and outside dining, they would build these booths and, and the Jewish people would go in and they would, they would dine and eat under those, in those booths for seven days. Well, they wouldn't eat for seven days there, but you know, during the seven-year period. That was supposed to be a joke. I could tell you a very <laughs> tough crowd this morning. But what was just so incredible is that this was going on and they were obeying that passage of scripture. They were, in their sense, doing what the scripture says by, by building these tents. So now what, what was the purpose? Why did God, uh, God have the people to uh, build these tabernacles and build these tents and temporary dwellings? Because God wanted to remind the people what he, how he had provided for them. For 40 years, God gave them manna in the wilderness. God gave them quail. God protected them. The Bible says there was a cloud of fire, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day that protected them. And God, as he brought them out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land, God was providing for them. So these dwellings were to be an object lesson. And you know what the main purpose, and you know what I'm trying to say, leading to communion, the whole point was the point of remembrance. The whole point, the whole reason why God had the people. Now, every year for seven days, they would have come out of their houses, they would have built these temporary dwellings, and they would have lived in them for seven days to make a vivid impression upon their mind, their heart, and their spirit that they ought to remember what God did those 40 years bringing them through the wilderness. It is so amazing when we partake of communion. This is a memorial. This is another remembrance. And, and, and I say, God, why do we need these remembrances? And you know, it's simple. We tend to forget all that God has done. 
we by nature are always on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. We lose sight of what God has done and sometimes we focus on things we shouldn't focus on. For the people of God, they would have this reminder, they would have used this as an opportunity to remember where they came from. And I think sometimes we all lose sight and we forget where we came from spiritually. We lose sight of the fact that we were lost in our sin, that we were bound by our flesh, that we were living, and the Bible says we were children of wrath as all others were, but we forget sometimes the grace of God in our lives that we're here today. We lose sight of what God has done. And so the people, they were to go in these tabernacles and they were to remember, but they would also have a time of thanksgiving, a time of joy. You say, how is that a time of joy? When you think about where you came from. When I think about my life, how as a teenager I was mixed up, I was messed up, I was heading towards destruction, but for the grace of God. Let me tell you, that's enough to give God praise for a thousand years. That's enough. We lose sight of it. And God was impressing upon their minds. Listen, every year, you know, for the children of God in in the Old Testament, there were three uh, celebrations, three festivals or feasts, if you will, that every male was required over 20 years old to go wherever they lived in in Israel, they were required to go up to Jerusalem to the house of God. Three times a year. Why? Again, to remember, to remember, to remember where they came from. How God had provided. And and the Feast of of Tabernacles was one also that was associated with the harvest. How God had provided for them in the land. How he provided a harvest. Now the Bible says they were to rejoice. Now for you and I today, I know we find it hard sometimes to have joy, because we think everything has to be perfect to have joy. Well, if you're waiting for everything to be perfect, you will be waiting for a long, long, long time. It does not have to be perfect to rejoice in God. You see, we as Christians are still bound by a worldly mentality. We're still bound by, well, if I have something good going on in my life, I can rejoice. If I succeed, I can rejoice. If I have the the newest iPhone, I can rejoice. Isn't it funny? I'm telling you, I go into an iPhone store, and I get a new iPhone, and I look at them, and I say, this phone is so cool. This is so awesome. I want one. I get it a few days later. It's no big deal. We get a brand new car. And you know, we, there's something about that new car smell, isn't it? You, it's so powerful. You know, they actually have, you can buy air fresheners that have a new car smell. Why? Because you want a reminder that the car that you have that is 7 years old, 12 years old, you want to think about what it smelled like when you first, first bought it. They have sprays you can spray in your car. It's a new car smell. Why? Because the, 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 the scent of smell is one of the most powerful scents that remind you and bring you back in time. Yeah. 
And so, so God provided for us. Jesus Christ himself said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember what I did for you. We need reminders. We live in a day and an age and a culture where we rejoice over the wrong things. We need to rejoice over the fact that God has provided salvation for us. Our sins are forgiven and our eternal destiny is settled in heaven forever. A world, the world at its best gives temporary joy. But God gives a joy that fulfills and leads to satisfaction and contentment. I said God gives a joy that truly satisfies and fulfills us. Paul the Apostle, a man who undoubtedly was one of the, the greatest Christians, possibly missionaries, church planters that the world has ever seen. And, 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 and in our um, culture, we would have him, uh, he would have millions of followers on Twitter. He would be on the cover of the Rolling Stones. Well, maybe. But we would, we would promote him and, and, and we would make a superstar out of him. But you know what the Bible says? He was whipped. He was beaten. He was, he was shipwrecked, fasting off and in prison over and over again. He wasn't the movie star. or He wasn't the pop star of our culture that even in Christianity we make them out to be. He, was, he went through so much suffering, so much pain for Christ. But you know what? The Bible says he had a joy. And the Bible says he wrote, a, he wrote an epistle called the Philippians. And, and, and it's known as the epistle of joy. Because there are over a dozen references in a small book. Maybe 16 or 18 references to joy in one form or fashion or another. And that, that epistle was written, and Paul would say in, in verse 4 of chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. But Paul, you don't know what I'm going through. But Paul, you don't know what I'm dealing with. But Paul, you don't know how hard life is. Paul says, yeah, you want to see the stripes on my back? You want to compare your pain with mine? Here he is writing Philippians in a, from a prison. The world would say you can't have joy. You're a failure. You're, you're cut off. You're not, you're not a mover and a shaker. You're not an influencer anymore. Paul, it's all over for you. You know what Paul said? I rejoice in Christ Jesus, and I have no confidence in the flesh. You see, Paul would write that epistle and he would have a, an authority that, that no one else could have because he went through the depths of pain and the depths of suffering, but God gave him a supernatural joy. How many of you know we need a supernatural joy? There are some things in life that don't necessarily change in our time frame or things don't necessarily go the way we want them to go. If we're going to be just like the world, then it will be sorrowful. But if we're like what God wants us to be, we'll begin to rejoice. We'll begin to thank God. We'll begin to praise God. It's a joy that is based upon who God is and what he has done for us. Psalm 100 says, serve the Lord with gladness. We're called to live out a life of thanksgiving. Live in praise and thanksgiving. And you know what? I need this reminder. I'm just like you. I need to be reminded of that. 
We all need to be reminded of living our lives, you know, because we still get bound by, 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 by what we think is going to make me ha happy. What's going to make us happy? My wife and I, when we went to, to Israel, we're going to be there for over two weeks. I'm saying, this is a nice time. Oh, a vacation. See, for me, I love Israel. I love the people of Israel. I love the plan God has for Israel in the end times. And, and I believe that we ought to love Israel. Amen. The Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let all those who love thee prosper. I mean, God has a plan and a purpose for them. You say, well, what's the plan? Where are they at now? They're in disobedience. Their hearts are hardened. And what they do in their land right now might be out of tradition, out of ritual. But God put it in his word. And prophetically, one day it'll be fulfilled in the kingdom of God or in the millennial, I should say. But, but we were going there, and, and when you, you go into Israel, uh, the airport in Tel Aviv, there's, it's a convergence of, of people coming in and out. And I walked in, and I told my wife, see those people that are getting back to go back to the U.S. or wherever? I says, we're going to be them in very short time. We're all happy now. They're walking back with sad with their heads down. We're like walking there. I said, time goes by so fast. If we base our joy on a time away or base our joy on a new car, it fades. It fades. Uh, some of you excited, uh, any Houston Astros fans here? Uh, we accept the Astro fans, no Yankee fans, but. <laughs> but, but it's over. And you know, even, even our culture, they're already talking about who's the contender for next year. It, it, you can't even enjoy things anymore. Time goes by so fast. Things go change, you know, but we're called to serve God with a grateful heart. Amen. No, that's what the word of God says. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Look at, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 28. Come on, I'm almost done. I'm not done, but I'm almost done. You say, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. Deuteronomy 28. I want to show you something that's just, just mind-blowing. I, I don't remember seeing this, but, but that's so wonderful about the word of God. God keeps bringing things out of it. Look at... Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. I don't know if you can pull that verse up for us, but here it is. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, what's the next verse? Therefore, you'll serve your enemies. Deuteronomy 28 is the chapter of curses and blessings. God lists the things that we would be blessed for and the, thing, the reasons why we'd be cursed. And this is one of them. Because you didn't, imagine, God says, because you didn't serve me with gladness. We're not talking about serving man. We're not talking about serving a church or serving Pastor Richard. We're talking about serving the Lord. And, the, and God is saying, you're cursed if you don't serve me with joy and gladness. I'm sorry, this is the word of God this morning. Come on, we're not contending with intellect versus intellect, style versus style, perspective versus perspective. You need to have joy in serving God. God is not looking for sour saints. He's not looking for people who are always complaining, forgetting, or overlooking what God has said. Listen, you and I, we ought to serve with joy. We're called to thanksgiving, amen? You see... Why? Because God is saying, listen, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I brought you into the promised land. You need to rejoice and remember what I've done and give me thanks. Why? Because our memory is short. What happens? We begin, if we're not grateful, we begin to think it's our own strength. 
God have mercy. We begin to get our lives in order. We begin to, to have get a degree and, and get a good job and a nice home and a car and a family. Then all of a sudden we think, wow, it was my intellect. It was my ability. It was my strength. God says, no, it's not. It's my grace. It's my favor. It's my goodness. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10, said, I am what I am by the grace of God. You need to be able to say that and give God glory. I am what I am by God's grace. Hallelujah. Do you know that even the communion in some persuasions, it's called the Eucharist. And you know what the word Eucharist means? Simply thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, you know, we take so much for granted in life. Parents take their children for granted. Children take their parents for granted. We're living in a culture of disrespect. A culture in our schools, in our communities, in our culture, in our churches, uh, an attitude because we're too close to the world. We're too much like the world. We complain about things. We disrespect leaders. We disrespect people. And we think it's okay because everybody else is doing it. It's not okay. Because God in his word has laid certain things down. And he's not going to judge you by what culture's doing. He's going to judge you by what the word of God says. In the last days, children will be disobedient to their parents. They'll be unloving. They'll be untruthful. They'll be disrespectful, unthankful. That's the culture, but we're called to be different. That's why God gives us memorials. Remember. Remember to live a life of faith, thanking God. Why? Because he brought you out of Egypt. He provided for you in the wilderness. He protected you from enemies. He's still a provider. He's still a protector. God told him, I want you to go out and I want you to live in these temporary dwellings to remember where you came from. You know, I think it was our 20th anniversary of our church. What we did was, uh, we did like a, a little trip down memory lane. We went back to our storefront, small storefront on Branch Avenue. Then we went to our second building on Admiral Street and then we finished here. But that small storefront, when we tried to squeeze in, it wasn't not the whole church that came that day, but the few that came, it was so small. We could not believe this is where we started. Do you know that Pastor Mike and Pastor Tara now live in, that's their apartment. It houses them and their two children. Back then it housed the whole church. It was a good memorial to go back there and see where we came from. Look where we are today. This is what God has done. God has provided. God has blessed. God has made a way. It wasn't me. It wasn't you. It was God working and fulfilling his promise. But it's good to go back and remember, you know what? The temporary dwellings, those, those tabernacles that they had to make to remember where they came from. But I want to just... just in, in bringing this to a close, I want to make a little shift in temporary dwellings. You know, the Bible says they, would have dwell, they dwelt in temporary, they dwelt in these tents that were temporary. How many of you know this morning we're dwelling in a temporary tent? The Bible says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says you have this earthly tent. This 
Well, this body, it's temporary. You know, when, when we do a international service out on the side here, we have to call and find out prices for tents. Smaller tents are cheaper, the bigger ones are... You know, we all have different sized tents. But it's a temporary tent. It's a temporary dwelling. One day we're going to lay this... Ver- i got to read the scriptures. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Don't you just love the word of God? Don't you just love the truth of God's word? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look what Paul says. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Hallelujah. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality might be swallowed up by life. Think about it. Every single one of us are growing older. You know, and, and, and age is just a number. We know that, right? You know, you could, be, you could be 60, and if you're going to live till 90, you're relatively not young. Or you could be 20, and if you're going to die at 25, you're old. Oh, I know. You know what? We never, we always think it's the other person that's going to die. Isn't it true? We never think it. But you know what Paul said after all they did to Paul the apostle? They try to shut him up. They try to shipwreck him. They try to stone him. They try to beat him. They try to kill him. You know what he said? For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. What do you do with a person like that? You know, you can't do anything because if you keep him alive, he's going to preach the gospel. If you kill him, he's going to glory to get a great reward. You can't lose. You see, we're dwelling today in a a temporary dwelling. We need to realize that God in his grace has his hand upon our life. This morning, we need to live our lives remembering what he's done in the past. When we remember what God has done, it gives us the grace to embrace another day, to live another day. When when we live our lives grateful, you know what? We realize from Deuteronomy 16 that there are blessings. We rejoice in what God has done. A reminder that, you know what? We're called to give to God. We're We're to be grateful with joy this morning. God loves a cheerful giver. We need to be grateful today because even as it was said earlier, God is the owner of it all. He's the Savior. He's the Master. He's the Lord. We're called to live a generous life with open hands, open hearts to God and to other people. Even when it comes to serving, we need to do it with joy. We need to be able to say, listen, wow, I get to do this. Even the nursery. I get to do the nursery. I get to do the media. I get to do sound. I get to do the parking lot. I get to pick up someone for church. I get to do it. Not I have to do it, but I get to do it. I don't know if you're listening to me this morning, but I'm preaching to you the word of God. God wants us to serve him with joy. Not I have to, but I get to. God will bless you and reward you. 
You know, I remember years ago before this church started, I was at North Providence Assembly of God and I was serving in ministry there and there was this one guy who, who, who needed a ride for church and he didn't have a car, he had a bicycle and, 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 and he didn't get around that much but by his bike, but in the winter it got very difficult for him to get to church. But you know what? I committed to pick him up. You know, and that's pretty cool. You feel pretty good about yourself when you serve somebody, don't you? You pat yourself on the back, and it's good for a couple of weeks or a month, but then it's like, man, this is becoming a drag. I know you don't know what I'm talking about this morning. Come on, you get all excited to do the nursery for a month. Then, oh, God's calling me to do something else. That's, you know what that means. That's just spiritual talk for I don't want to do this anymore. Or, or we start off in something for a few weeks and then we lose the excitement and the good feeling of starting something new. But you know what? I did this month after month after month. God gave me the grace. But you know what? I had to look at it like this. You know what Jesus said? When you've done it unto the least of this, you're doing it unto me. If we could only see Jesus in people, if we could only see Jesus in what we're doing, then we'll do it with a different attitude. But I did this for I don't know how many months, maybe a year, and, and then we started the church at Victory and he sent us his tithe check. He wasn't going to church anywhere. He considered me his pastor in this Victory is church, but he never came for months and for several years he sent his tithe. Now when you're starting out a church and you don't have much, that tithe check comes in and you're shouting hallelujah because that's a big blessing. We didn't have, you know, uh, we, we couldn't go buy coffees back then. You know, going to Dunkin' Donuts was a big deal. Back then, we had to make our coffee, my wife and I. You know, I mean, we didn't have much money to go buy coffees. I don't know if you're getting this, but, but come on. Come on, let the Holy Spirit give you revelation. What a blessing it was, what God did, because we were faithful and we served and we served with joy. And I'm telling you, when you serve God with joy, you'll see the blessings that God will bring. As we, as we just tie this together, you see, we live our life this morning remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. But you know what's awesome? Christ is still working for us. You know what the Bible says? He ever lives to make intercession. Now, I don't know. I've read that passage and I've studied that passage in different commentaries and some believe he's actually praying for us and that could be the interpretation. But you know, you know what I really believe the intercession is? He ever lives to make intercession. His sacrifice on the cross is always before the Father. The Holy Spirit is always bearing witness that Jesus shed his blood. So when I fail, when you fall short, when we make mistakes, the Holy Spirit is using the blood of Jesus and Jesus' life is testifying to the Father saying, I paid for their debt. I paid for their sin. I paid for their deliverance. I made a way for them to be set free. I've done for them what no one else could do and what I've done still stands and it's still in effect and Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us would you stand together with me this morning hallelujah we remember what God has done we're grateful this morning how many of you are grateful Come on, some of you quiet saints. I know you don't talk much in church, but if I came to your house watching a football game, I know you have a voice. 
Come on, some of you quiet ones. I could come after you. I don't have a, a wire. You know, these are cordless. Come on, grateful. How many of you are grateful today? Oh, come on. Come on. Are you thankful? Are you thankful for what God has done? Come on. Are you rejoicing in the right things? Come on, we rejoice in the wrong things in our culture. You know, I feel bad. Listen, I mean this honestly and sincerely. When I see people in, in the public eye, whether they're movie stars, sports figures, I feel bad. I don't care how beautiful they are, how handsome, how pretty, how rich, how famous, if they don't have Jesus. That's all they cut. <laughs> and the world's applause... The world's affection is so short-lived. You're a hero one day, you're a zero the next. You're beautiful, you know, for a few years. You know, models, they're, they're, after 25, they're considered old. Imagine. Come on, professional football players, baseball players, they come and they go. But you and I today... We have Jesus and we have eternity to look forward to. And you know what Jesus said? He says, I will no longer eat of the fruit of the vine. Drink this cup until I drink it in my Father's kingdom. I don't know about you, how bad things are in your life, what you're going through. I don't, I don't want to be insensitive, but let me tell you, heaven will right every wrong. Heaven will wipe away every sorrow and every tear. Heaven will be worth it. Don't go to hell over anything in this world. Don't lose your soul. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul? Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat and drink again in my Father's kingdom and you're going to be with me. This morning, let's remember Jesus. Let's remember all that he's done for us. We don't go out and live in temporary dwellings. Maybe we should to remember the beautiful house we're in, the beautiful apartment we have, the car, the money, all that we do have, we lose sight of. Today we want to be grateful. We want to be grateful for the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. Nothing else to boast in. Paul said it. He said, I boast in Jesus Christ. I boast in what he has done. No longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Let's remember Jesus today. Let's be grateful today. Come on, let's come against the spirit of ingratitude in our culture. Come on, let's come against that spirit that forgets so quickly. We have an attitude like, like some people that just says, what have you done for me today? We forget what God has done for us over the years. Let's remember this broken body that was broken for you and I. Let's partake in Jesus' name. Amen. Same manner Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup is the covenant that I make through my blood. What a covenant. Nothing could break it. Nothing could disannul it. Nothing could superseded this cup represents the shed blood of the holy pure sinless son of God he hung he bled he died on Calvary to provide forgiveness that the vilest sinner that the most wicked and ungodly person if they turn to Christ in repentance in faith they will be made holy they will make, be made clean
Conversely, the nicest person, the sweetest person in this world that rejects this cup brings damnation upon themselves because there's no other day of atonement, there's no other Yom Kippur than the one that Jesus provided through his blood. Let's thank God that our sins are covered. Our sins are covered. Come on. Come on. He who is forgiven much loves much. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your blood. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Can we just worship God with all our heart with one more song? Come on, let's, let's put it all together, this message. Remember, rejoice, and be thankful. Come on, let's sing with all our heart in Jesus' name, and then we'll pray and close.